Hey everybody, it's Rajesh here. And Tane here. Welcome to our podcast, Baskets of Knowledge, Chats with a Difference. In our podcast, we invite guests from around the country and around the world to talk about how they got to where they are at the moment. It's about a journey, it's about an experience, it's about their life. Good everybody, welcome to another episode of Baskets of Knowledge. Um, summer's coming along and we're just really, really loving these um episodes because they're getting more and more entertaining for us and more and more exciting uh hey tane what have you learned since you lost since we last our chat i guess i guess probably what i've taken away over the last couple of days especially is that sometimes sometimes things just go your way you know what i mean like sometimes i feel like we work so hard to try and get to our goals and you know it almost feels like some things aren't coming off but other times we have things that we don't really expect to go our way and they just do so i've learned that you know sometimes as much as it's good to you know put in the hard work and expect things it's also nice when you know you receive something that you weren't expecting and it just goes away yeah and it's crazy how that happens right it's just um it's it's cool when these things happen when you have no plan it just happens and you go oh it's actually meant to be in a certain way and i guess that that, that, that sort of links but not links to what what i what i've learned over the last since we last spoke is that um one of the big things for me is movement is is key um what I mean by that there is obviously when I say movement is key is you know being physical and being active is an important part of life and there was a stage a few a few months where I just didn't do that and I got pretty happy just not doing anything being pretty stagnant and I and I had all these excuses oh, I was injured or just cold or whatever and um as I started getting back to my movement I was like actually this is really important um not just for um for being healthy but also just for my mindset but when I reflected on on actually life you know movement is key in everything that we that we do it's very easy for us to be stagnant but as long as we're moving forward one step at a time whether it is the, the tiniest thing in the whole wide world as long as you're moving forward it's really important and it's hard for us to remember that especially when things are weighing down on us and we feel the world is against us just taking that one step forward is just is going to help you and, and the ripple effect is pretty awesome and i guess that's a reflection from our last podcast with nora where you know that the emphasis of movement was just so profound and what's what is done in her life and the people around her so yeah i guess that was a good reflection learning point for me so um as always you know we love talking to each other but we're not going to do that today we are going to welcome our guest and as we always say you know we scour the country and around the world to find people that we think are interesting everybody's interesting everyone's got a story and today um is no different we have an amazing guest and welcome to our podcast rory Kia how are we? We're fantastic, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Brilliant. And Rory is um, tuning in from the Taranaki today. So Rory, tell us a bit about yourself. You know, who, who is Rory and what is Rory doing at the moment? Yeah, so ko Taranaki te maunga, ko Urunui te awa, ko Tokumaru te waka, ko Ngāti Mutanga te iwi, ko Kaitanga te hapu, ko Rory Maxwell Toko Ingawa. Hello, kia ora. my name's Rory. Um, I'm a 22-year-old from Taranaki. Born and raised in New Plymouth, went to Francis Douglas Memorial College, um, sort of worked my way through school and then figured out my passion in life, went down to Victoria University, um, went and got a health psychology qualification, found a job that was primo for me, and now I'm just flourishing. And it brings me to the present where I'm here on this awesome podcast, these two awesome fellas. And yeah, I'm excited to be and it's going to be awesome. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for that. That's a, that's a great, great share. Um, I'm just going to have a bit of a bit of a chuckle. You know, um, before we started the podcast, we were having a bit of a chat and Rory said he was an old man and he just said he's 22. I was like, oh, 
Rory, 22, still a baby. It's all good. Just enjoy, enjoy that. Enjoy that youth. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, so um, you, you, you have found a spot, a space that you are really thriving at the moment, but let's take you back. Let's go back to um, Rory at high school when Rory was finishing up high school and Rory has all these options. What was Rory thinking, thinking about that, at that point in time? The most important thing for me was flourishing. So I hadn't quite found myself in high school. You know, I was bouncing between friend groups and what courses I wanted to do, what I wanted to do when I left school. So when it came to the end of high school, I was like, so what do I want to be? Who do do I want to grow into the man that I want to become? So I kind of had to do a whole bunch of decision makings. Like, do I want this? Yes. Okay, maybe I don't need that as much in my life. And so really just a big decisions that came down to it that, I just, who do I want to be when I grow up? And it was something that my parents pushed on me all throughout school was like, we'll support you and do anything. So then it just came down to me having to decide what I wanted to do. Yeah, and how did you go through the process there? Because as you said, at at that point in time, as a 17, 18 year old, it sounds like a big decision that I've got to think about that. And you mentioned the word big decisions. How did you start? Because you've got options galore. And especially when your family says, hey, you can do whatever you want. Those get even bigger. How did you start narrowing that down into something that you want to explore, keeping in mind that this might not be the thing that you end up doing? Mm. So what I, so how I did it was I did a lot of self-reflection. So I went, I was like, where did I find myself where I was like, yeah, this is me. This is who I am. And a lot of it ended up centering around my whanau. And I was like, oh, yeah. So whanau is what I'm orientated around. That's what I want to do. So I was like, what aspects of whānau makes me become attracted to that whānau aspect in our lives? So mine was sharing. I was like, I wanted to share what I have, like, because sharing is the most important thing in this world. If we share what we have, everyone will be good. Um, aroha, love. You got to love your whānau and love what you do. So I needed to find what I loved and support. Support was the biggest one for me was supporting people into doing anything they wanted to do the same way that I was supported in my journey through high school. So I kind of narrowed it down to that and I had to do a few pros and cons lists. I was like, is this pros, is this support or is it just another form of something else that I'm thinking is support? So it did do a lot of pros and cons around certain aspects of whānau and I whittled it down to those three. So support, aroha and Ooh, what did I say for my first one? <laughs> Support at home and uh, oh, sharing. Sharing, yes. Yeah. So and then I am I am listening, Rory. I am listening. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of whittled it down to those three, and I was like, "That's what I want to do, and that's who I want to grow into." And I wanted to be a person who shares, who loves, and supports anyone and everyone. Um, awesome. Can I ask you a question? So you said those three things are really important to you. And how were they important to you in your life before you made mm. those decisions? So my older brother, he's autistic. So growing up, I've had to always go, okay, we want to do this as a whanau, but how does it perceive for him? So how can we support him? How can we share stuff with him so that he's not as disadvantaged as us? So we're always on the same level together as a whanau. So growing up, I've always had that underlying for any event to do with my whanau. So then it kind of came down to when I was older, mum and dad were like, you know, there's going to be a time when we're not going to be here and you might have to step up for your brother. And I was like, yeah. And it was around then where I was like, supporting people is is me. 
So coming, like I've always had that support, sharing and loving, just love. So it was having all those in my life that kind of guided me towards that way of deciding that I want to be a person who shares loves and supports. That's, that's really awesome because I think you know, I know a, lot, a, lot, a lot of times we look for external factors to 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 um to say hey this is the right thing for you to do and blah blah but for you it came internally it was an internal link mm-hmm. to your actual brother to go hey with with my brother growing up we want everyone to be on the same same level field you know which is really important because a lot of us in this world here we look for external factors i want to do this because i want to be xyz as opposed to what am i actually doing and what resonates with me so that's really awesome awareness there so you have this sharing aroha and um support those are your pillars i guess and your values now uh given you have those values there why did you choose to go to a tertiary provider you could you could say i've got these things here this is my jam i could do anything really but you chose to go to a tertiary provider what what was the reason for that there for you so Mum always used to say, it was like, yep, you're going to go to uni because I didn't go to uni when I was that age and it really affected me. Like they struggled for a few times when we were young as kids. So mum always kind of planted that seed of go to a tertiary, go get a degree in an area you like, and then your life will explode from there. I was like, okay, cool. So I've always had that sort of engraved in the back of my head going, yeah, I want more from education. And that was only solidified in high school when you're only allowed to take six subjects and they have to be math, English, science. And I love my sciences, I love my biology, but math and English, they're not my forte. So I was like, if I can go to uni and study what I want to study, that is the way I want to learn. It's the education that I want. I'll pay for it. That's fine by me. But it's the education that I wanted and it really boosted those values. So that's why I went and chose a field in health. So awesome. going to, oh, sorry, were you saying something? Yeah, no, that, that's all good. I wanted, I wanted to ask you a question before we, before we move on to that. Were you the first in your family to go to university? Or? So I was not. So mum went back to university. She did Massey for, or she did it part-time for a few years growing up. So I think yep. she started when I was eight and she finished when I was about 15, 16. Awesome. Yep. So she got her qualifications then. And by that time I was like, I don't want to be studying for eight years. But then she explained it all and I was like, oh, okay, so uni is this for me. And she was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess that's, that's, a, that's a good reflection because, you know, watching your mom studying for eight years and you go, mm. whoa, why, why would I do that? While she's raising a family and living mm. her, doing her job. From an outside looking, you go, oh, why would you do that? Like, what is the purpose of doing that when you're actually doing this? Stuff? So it's pretty awesome that she stopped and explained that to you. Now, you live in Taranaki, which means you have to leave the region to go to a tertiary provider. And mm. how did you choose where you wanted to go um, based on your values of sharing Aroha and support? So when I was deciding which tertiary provider, I was very much just so who would give me the best? Where would I thrive the best? Where would I find it? And there was two places. It was Victoria or Otago. Yeah. And, can I can I can I stop you for a question a second yeah. there? What does what does best mean? What does what does that mean? So you used, you said th- th- best three times. So what does that mean yes. to you? So for me, the three things that I looked for in a tertiary was obviously the education. They had to have yeah. the education that I wanted. Have my whanau gone to that tertiary provider? It's like my cousins, my aunties, second cousins because big whanaus. Um, and the last one was closeness to home. So the reason why closest to home was last on that list was mum and dad would always support me getting home. They 
not going to say, no, you're not coming home on this study break. We'll get you home. So those three pillar things on top of that were like, okay, where can I find myself? What whānau, who can I latch off? Who liked what at this tertiary? Who liked this at this one? And it really kind of just bounced off each other. And I was like, I liked this, but this has that. And that's kind of whittled it down to pretty much the day before we were submitting my application. I was like, damn, this is hard. And it was hard because I found that both of them offered exactly the same but one of them just weighed better, which is Victoria, unfortunately. No, no, unfortunately, it's not unfortunate here. You, you chose what's best. And I think that's important for people to realize, you know, that the reason I ask you is what's best is because what's best for you versus what's best for me versus what's best for Tana is very, very different. Mm. And, you know, like you mentioned, closeness to family was last on your list, but that's an important factor to make. And I and I, and I I like to remember to listen to this is there's no right or wrong here. You've made a decision. And it's awesome. You know, what'll happen will happen. Because Tana, you had the same, you had to make the same choice as well. You know, um, you went you were in the Taranaki, you had to make that choice there. We know you've come to Otago, but again, being away from family, that would have been a a, a thing you had to think about because it is pretty far. It definitely was a tough, uh, tough choice, and especially probably leaning closer to the time. You know, at the start of a year when you're starting to think about it, you don't think it's such a big issue, but I guess you know, as the year goes by, you realize you're gonna leave not only your high school mates, but to then move to a different city on top of that, you know, it extrapolates that missing home feeling. And so it definitely was a hard decision. And I guess I also had a tough decision in terms of I had a lot of mates going to Auckland and I had opportunities to go to Auckland as well. So it was really tough to make that decision. But as Rory says, you know, I had to make that decision for me. You know, it would have been, sure, it would have been nice in the first year to have mates that I already knew at Auckland and have that familiar feeling. But I guess, you know, that only lasts so long. And so... Ultimately, I had to make this decision for myself. Yeah, and I think that's important for both of you. Both made the choice that was that was right for you for whatever reason it was. It, it was right for you, and it's, it's set well for you, which is really really important. So you made the decision to go to Victoria. Fantastic. Um, you leave Taranaki to head down to to Wellington. What is that like for you leaving New Plymouth, small? You know, everyone knows everybody to a, a bigish city. Yeah, it's quite a jump. So. Where I live in Taranaki, across the roads, farmland, like it's just bush the whole way. So going there from one day to the next day, going into um, one of the halls in Wellington, it's quite a big shock change because five hours you're living at home, five hours you're in this big concrete tower jungle in Wellington, not knowing too many people. And a lot, I had a lot, I had nerves, but there were also excitement nerves which I think is the difference when you go down and then you start to settle is that when you move, I felt, I was like, yeah, man, this is awesome. Like I'm now getting my independence. Mum isn't going to tell me I have to be home at a certain time. It was just, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is where it starts. And yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I was very nervous. I can't say that I wasn't, <laughs> but I was nervous, but more excited. Yeah. yeah and it I think that's a, that's a great reflection of the nerves having two sides to it. You know, everyone thinks nerves, but there's the nerves of actually being away and the nerves of excitement, and you've got to embrace them both. And hey, you're 18 years old, you're getting away from home, you know, no curfews, no one telling you what to do. Every one of us when we're 18, we're like, this is amazing. Why would we want this? So it's awesome to embrace that there. Um, one step back, why did you choose health? Why why did that why was that a natural thing for you? Um and as your as a study choice, and and also Another question that there, were there, I know you're involved in Wyora as well. Was that also an, a big impact as you were going through school when you were looking up with them through the programs? 
Yeah, so Wilder was a massive impact. So I sort of knew my values around year 10. I was like, yeah, I like sharing. I support my brother through anything. So I had my values. But then Wilder came in at year 11, uh, Kayadahi Mitch. Um, she came up and she was like, so what do you want to do? And being at, in year 11, already being asked by my accounts, like my um, careers coordinators, my teachers, they're like, what do you want to do? Like, you should go do this. You're taking these subjects. And Wilder was sort of the first place where they're like, what do you want to do? Like, no matter what you're taking now, you can go do what you want to do. And me and Mitch, we sat down together and we were just talking about what makes me, who makes me. And those three values came out and she was like, I could see you being in the healthcare sector. And I was like, yeah, I haven't, hadn't really considered the healthcare because you just go into healthcare when you need it and then you pop back out and that's, that's it. So it took a bit of information to convince me to go, maybe I could consider a role in the healthcare sector. So Wilder had a big influence in saying these are options that are available for you. So like engineering, you could support love your mahi there, you're on the same level there, but healthcare, you'd be able to get on that level of the Fano connection and really do the mahi that you think that you love. And I was like, cool. So the Wilder program had massive influence to me on guiding me towards the healthcare. And then the programs that they run while we were on it helped me whittle down which course and where I wanted to be in the health sector. So that was really just sort of the exposure opportunities that I could get to see careers. So big number here to Wilder for that. And they helped me get on the pathway for me. Yeah, but I also, also want to do a here to you because you jumped on the program. You don't have to, right? Mm. Uh, the programs are, are voluntary. There's no compulsionist. You, you chose to get involved. So well done you. And I love what you said about health is so massive, right? Health is huge. When people come and say, I want to work in the health sector, you could be a surgeon or you could be an orderly. You could be, you know, uh, a ophthalmologist or you could be someone who's at the reception. Health mm -hmm. is so, so massive. And when you were thinking about that, then what, what about that got you into the space that you wanted to do? Because it wasn't a clinical setting that you wanted to work in. Mm -hmm. It was a different kind of setting that you wanted to work in. Yeah, so the setting that I always wanted was that personal one-on-one -on -one level or one with a whānau. So being that sort of support role for a whānau rather than just coming in and going, da -da 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 -da, you need this and you need that. Just getting on that level of knowing what factors they need, the support they need. So going, deciding between the clinical and non-clinical, I kind of decided that the non-clinical would be more suited for the values that I uphold for myself, that sharing love and aroha and support. Um, and when I sort of whittled it down to the non-clinical, I had all these options that Wilder were like, yep, these are all the non-clinical roles. And like you said, there was about 3,000 different roles you could possibly do in the healthcare sector. And that was when Mitch flipped it back onto myself and was, what role do you want to see yourself in? You can be the support person or you could be this person for this type of group. And it was really influenced me and decided how I wanted to move forward. And I self-reflected back onto me and the way my brother is and how our connection is there. And that's what led me to psychology, is understanding the brain and brain behaviours. And that's what led me to health psychology. Brilliant. Awesome. So that's a fantastic foundation to where you were 
making a decision making. So you now you land in Wellington, big biggest city, concrete everywhere. What is that like for you as a young person? So we spoke about excitement. Now you've got to navigate growing up in because Fano is really, really important to you and that's come through really strongly. Now you're living a bit away from Fano. You might know some people there, but now you're trying to find out who Rory actually is. What is that like for you? So what it was like for me was it was just sort of still finding myself. So solidifying myself, get my toes in the ground, figure out where I want to go and where I want to grow. So when I sort of got there in first year, I was just sort of bouncing off different people who were studying different areas to what I was. And I was just finding myself because I love that social interaction. I think everyone does. Everyone likes meeting new people. So when I eventually found myself a group of friends, I was like, awesome. I've got my social part done. That was a big part of my life. And then I had to self-reflect. How can I grow within my social interactions in this new place to grow into the man I want to become. And a lot of it was going out, trying new things. Um, they, for example, like picking up on the exercises. So my sports went down because I've left school and going to the gym. So focusing more on my wellness and my mental health, because all those factors start to increase when your independence goes up. And then finding the employment side where I wanted to start off my employment and then yeah, sort of grew from there. So come end of first year, I wouldn't say I founded my feet yet because one year isn't going to do that for the rest of your life. And I still say now that I haven't found it, but just it's a journey and you just got to build that journey up until a point where you feel comfortable. Yeah, I think you know, like I said at the start, you know, our movement is key. And I think it's always forward, forward movement. You know, mm. I, I like I like the analogy that I always use with with my clients that I work with. You know, you can be moving like a rocking chair. It's always moving, but it's going nowhere. Yeah. So are you a rocking chair or are you actually taking a step forward? And, you know, in your case, you will, hey, even right now, where you are right now, you've got to keep moving, you know, um, moving forward to find out who you are as a person. And this is bringing up another side, you know, so you spoke about, you know, your educational side, you spoke about the social side, but now I want to bring in the other side. Talk, let's talk through your, your, Maori, your, your Maori identity as you were now growing as a young man, you know, so what is that like for you? Um, and has it been a big part of your life up to this point going to university so was that a big big part of your identity yeah it was so growing up so going back a few years I think I was about seven or eight so I uh, my dad so my grandparents split up and uh, my grandmother's partner passed away and he was very I didn't know I wasn't too young to understand this at that age but he was very connected to his Maori side and um, when he passed away for his tonguey you know we went there and um there wasn't any, like, um, we went in there thinking no one would know us because distant relations. He's from the Waikato regions. I'm from Taranaki. Bit of history there between the two of them. And we went back there, and it was sort of my first experience in a big Māori environment. So my parents had made the decision not to grow us up in a Māori sort of environment because of my older brother, and he was, wasn't just able to cope and understand between English and Māori. So they just didn't really, they just sort of put it on the side. And they've always touched on it. They've always mentioned it, but they just couldn't bring it into the whole whānau aspect because of my brother. So then sort of growing up after that tangi, um, I found waka ama. So found waka ama and I absolutely thrived in that environment. I found, I was like, man, this is awesome. I loved who I was in that environment and with the people that I was with. 
And I started Waka Armour in year nine and I did it all the way through to year 13. And it was around ooh, starting up for tertiary where my dad sat me down and he was like, yep. And he pulled out a big book and he showed me all my papa that he knew of. And he was like, we can go to this person and we'll know more. But this is what we know so far. And from there, I was like, wow, this is a whole side of me that I didn't even realize was in. Like I knew it was in me, but I didn't understand what it was when it was in me. So then had that sort of part of me go, okay, so this is who I am. This is what runs in me. It's in my blood. So I did my own research and I found out about Sir Tirangi Hirua or Sir Peter Buck um, and um, Maru Pohiri. And I found all these people that who I was their descendant of. And I was like, man, I can go and do what I want to do. Like these people in these times and I think it was 1920 or earlier than that even. And they did this then. So why can't I do this now? So my Māori side for me really opened up just going, hey, the world's the world's a big ocean. You can go fishing anywhere in it. You just got to drive the boat to get there. So keep moving forward and you'll just find where you are. And that's what the Maldi, my Māori side did for me. And now I'm on my side where I'm just exploring it and accepting it for what it is for me. Oh, brilliant. That's really, thank you for sharing that. That's really profound. And I think, I think for you, like you said, your profound moment was going to the tongue when you were seven or eight years old. And I think that's, it goes back to your um, sharing aroha and support. You would have seen that as a seven-year-old, but not realized that when you went to the tangi, that's exactly what's happening. There's lots of sharing going on, lots of aroha mm. going on, lots of support in that situation, which probably, you know, as they say in psychology, which you, which you know, is your formative years are between one one to seven, and that could have been a formative mm. experience for you, which has led you to where you are at the moment. It could be, I don't know, I'm just, yeah. I'm just who knows, who knows, it could be something yeah. else. So uh, thank you for sharing that. So we're, we're going to come back again to, we'll touch on that a bit later on again. So now you um, you finished your first year at university. Um you are now going to your second year as a young man living in Wellington. You found your people. You found the things that you want to study. What are what are the challenges you started facing now? So we spoke about all the cool, the cool stuff. Let's talk about some challenges that actually started coming. Because you did mention uh, before wellness and mental health are become an important yeah. factor when you're independent. So do you want to elaborate on any of the challenges that came forward from year two, I guess? Yeah. So one of the big challenges that I... I'll jump back a bit to first year. So when I left for uni, I actually, um, me and my partner, we broke up because I didn't want to commit to long distance. And all through first year, I was regretting that decision. It was a challenge that I was like, that's the one thing I wished I didn't do. And thankfully enough, at the end of first year, when I came back home for my summer break, or actually midway through first year, I went back to her and I was like, hey, would you like to kick things off again? And she was like, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm keen. I was like, sweet, I'm keen as too. And then from there, that that was sort of the first challenge I had in first year was that separation from my partner. I was like, that was bad. And then coming into second year, um, my bills my bills went up quite a bit. The uh, expenses on the side of things came up, which does affect certain things like mental health and stuff when you have to work working a job just to pay the bills and like money comes in and it leaves before you see it and those those were sort of the more challenges that I found was that I had to work more I had to have my time management up to date because I had to work these hours studying these breaks so from that I found that my social life decreased a lot I found that my enjoyment in doing certain activities decreased because I was working so much and then I was just tired all the time 
So obviously working, you just have to work through life and that's keep moving forward. But that's when those challenges get tough is when you're really pushed and the things you love doing have to get put on the back burner so you can move forward into greater steps of life. So that was the biggest challenge I had was when the expenses got up, I had to work more. I had to drop other things, certain things that made me who I was. And that sort of, it didn't affect me too much, but I can say it affected me and my study a bit. Yeah. And I think that's a reality, you know, I think I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this. There's two things you mentioned that, you know, um, relationships, relationships are part of life. And, you know, at that point in time, as a, as a 17, 18 year old, you're like, hey, I'm moving away. This long distance stuff, not going to happen for whatever reason. There's, there's no right or wrong here. And you decided, okay, cool, we're not going to do it. Do it. Um, but hey, luckily for you, you went back and happy days, all good, hunky dory. But second year becomes real because I think if we forget that um, as you're studying as well, but now you're an adult, you've got to pay the rent, you've got to pay whatever, you've got to pay for your, your food, um, but you've also got to study on top of that there. And you go, well, this is this is a pretty, it's pretty hard. And you could have so easily just given up that point, been like, this is way too hard and gone gone home. Right. And I'm sure you yeah. you know people would have done that. And Atana, you have seen people have done that as well, but it's like, no, this is too hard. Again, there's no right or wrong here. This is this is just life. Mm. You know, people people take things different ways. But you you persevered and you did that there. That was year two. In year three, what learnings did you have that so was three year degree, four year degree? How did you three year degree, yeah. Right, cool. Three. So year th- year three, you're now um navigating towards the end of your, your program. And what is what is the I guess in your in three in year three you start specializing in the area that you really want to focus mm. on. Which one of those topics or subject areas really just hit you in the heart and resonated with you? This is my jam. So one of the papers that I sat with, Shay Wilson, um, is called Ho'oda Māori. And it was just around the Ho'oda Māori that have happened, like the history and where it is now and where it's going forward. And the whole first two weeks of this, of the trimester in this course, was just them talking about all the negative effects that, the whole order has had on the Māori community. So there were certain things like we're the first in diabetes, heart attacks, and all these big major health issues. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, oh, this is not cool. This is yeah. terrible. This is not what I want. Like it hit me and I went back, like I went back to my flat that night and I just sat in my bed and I was like, damn, I'm Māori, I don't have any of those, so I must be incredibly lucky. And I was like, why is it only X amount of Māori don't have these? So it was from there where I was like, nah, I want to change that. That's not that's not cool. I don't like that. And that two weeks in the first trimester of year three, it just set me on a path of just, I want to do better for the people who can't, who are in, the, in those positions where they can't get better. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to go do that, which is why, which is actually why I'm here at Wilder. So I can do a certain way and support I'm going to say to go further. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool. So it basically let you fire while you were there. Yeah. It was a fire that I didn't know I had in me. And when it was lit, it was a big fire and it's still roaring today and it will keep roaring for a few more years. Yeah. Roaring, roaring. It's goes really well, mm-hmm. right? There we go. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so while you're doing this, it's a really, really awesome revelation for yourself as a young person. What are the things that you, so obviously we've spoken about health being really important for you, um, health for the for, for Māori communities, that's really important for you. But were there any other passions that 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 lit up in you while you were at university um, that you didn't realise that actually, well, this is a really interesting area of life that or humans that mm. 
that I really want to explore a little about or stand for? Yeah. So when I was in third year, I was a part of, well, I was, I was a part of, we didn't, we weren't able to actually do much mahi because of COVID. But um, I was a student ambassador and a Māori yeah. student ambassador for all the newcomers through and uh, coming from year 13 into the open days and as well as some of the sort of open events that they had for Wellington College and sort of all those. And just working with Rangatahi, hey, I was like, wow, like I am like thriving here. Like, I find this awesome. This is so cool. And in high school, I could never see myself being a teacher or working with Rangatahi, working with students and supporting them. I was like, man, this is cool. Like I have a lot of information here that I can share. I've experienced it. And I can share a lot of information that I think would be beneficial to a lot of people. So having that experience of just working with, I think I only was able to work with them twice or three times in my third year, unfortunately. But just those three times alone, that was like, wow, that was awesome. Like those experiences working with Rangatahi, feeling what they were feeling going into university for next year, feeling what they felt, knowing that I had felt that myself. I was like, this is an area where I could see myself being, especially with my career. And I was like, this is awesome. It's crazy how those opportunities just light up different parts of you, right? And um, yeah. you know, when you, you have no, you have no idea. Um, I've been an ambassador because, oh, maybe I need some money or some extra free time, and then you just go, boom! What a, what a yeah. crazy um, revelation. Kind of this happened to you as well, right? You've had some unexpected opportunities just because you put up your hand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean. <clears throat> there's definitely yeah exactly there's been plenty of opportunities where i didn't really think or expect much from them but they've definitely given a greater the return than what i ever guessed and <clears throat> especially some of the areas which i never thought i'd go into you know like um or just trying new opportunities you know this year I've, we started the chess club at the um, at the hall which i would have never imagined me being a part of um as i mentioned I've, i started going along to run club which again i've you know, I wasn't much of a long distance runner. I knew I, I knew if I put my mindset to it, I was capable of doing it, but I never thought I'd get to the point I am now. So I guess, you know, sometimes those things just rise up. And I think, you know, that's always my biggest advice as well, is, you know, go out and try new things because, you know, at least when you've done them, you can say, oh, no, I didn't actually enjoy that. But <clears throat> until you try it, you don't actually, you know, truly know whether you're going to enjoy it or not. No, I guess what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> Except when you bungee without a cord, don't do that there. Okay, so <laughs> just, just just be careful. Yeah, that, that's awesome shares in both of you because you know you both you both um, found things just by trying out different different aspects. So now you're finishing up year three, Rory, and um, you have the option of maybe doing postgrad study, and that might have been a thought for you. Was that ever a thought for you, or was it a nah? I'm I'm out of here. So it was a thought for me because, like, obviously. Mum always said, it's like, if you don't get your master's now, you won't ever come back and get your master's. And that was a saying that I've heard a lot now that now that I've left. And I, I feel that for me, it was just time for me to go out and explore who I am. I am definitely going to come back and continue to get more study because now I'm at that place where I can study what I want to study. It may not be going on further study from my current qualifications, because I do have ambitions to go um, learn my te reo, so to go full. Um, and just, yeah, I just wanted to see who I am at this current state, because I've done it a big three years, getting my qualifications. I can go out and earn some mahi and get some puti in my pocket. So I was like, yep, I'm going to go out, 
see, see what the world's like at the moment. If I'm not ready for the employment side of it just yet, I can always just flick back and go back to study. But yeah, for now, at this point in time, I'm enjoying it. Don't have too much ambitions to jump back into it straight away, but I do have the ambition to go back to do the study that I want to study. Yeah, and I guess you have no you you have no idea. It might happen, but it, opportunities arise, right? You just they, yeah. like we said at the start, they just come whenever you least expect them. So you finish your program. Um, hmm. Did you want to go back to Taranaki, or was or why did you end up why did you end up going back to Taranaki? I guess so. When I got back with my partner in first year, my partner moved down to Wellington with me. So she made she got rid of the whole reason why we broke up. She she moved down with me down oh, wow. to Wellington and we stayed together till the end. And when I told her I wasn't doing any postgrad, she was like, So we're we going back home, eh? And I was like, Nah, it was better job opportunities down here. She was like, Nah, we're going home, eh? And I was like, Oh yeah, okay, if we're going home. So yeah, we came back home after that. It was kind of a decision, like I was on the fence about it because I had yeah. employment opportunities here, but I knew that if I maybe I was in wellies, I could have had grown a bit more on the employment side. But for me, the relationship with my partner, I had employment back here. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll head back home. And it was just, yeah, that was the, it's that simple. My partner made it that simple for me here. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. I guess you she spent time with you and it's time for you to go back, you know, we just break yeah. it right down. So employment opportunities, did you step into Wyota straight away or was that something that came on later on? What's your first employment yeah. opportunity? In in your in your field, I guess, you know, we all do part-time jobs in different fields. Yeah. Um in your actual field. Yeah, so part of the Wyota program is that once you complete your tertiary qualifications or once you're done we can bring you back into the program and we can start putting the fiddlers out for cadetships and internships and all that to build those connections for employment while you're here. So I reached out to an employer, or one of the employees from Wyota. I was like, hey, do you know anywhere that I could possibly go with my qualification? She was like, yep, just give me one second. Sent through another email for me to email, got through that way. And it sort of came back to me where I had a had a hui with Wilder, with um, C.E. Tarns. And she kind of sat me down in a hui. She just for knowing the tongue. There wasn't anything about my ambitions, where I wanted to go. It was just for knowing the tongue, learning about each other, what we wanted for each other and what we want to do. And from there, she was like, well, there's actually a position coming up for Wilder. Could you be interested? And I was like, sharing, supporting, love, with Langatahi for Māori, which would get them into careers, which would benefit them in the health sector side of things. You're like, More nah, not my, you're like, not my thing, not my thing, not only talking about it. It really suit my values, <laughs> sorry, Tars. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that kind of was a no-brainer from that. I was like, obviously, I said, oh, I'll think about it. But when I was walking out, I was like, yeah, I'm going to email pretty much when I get back to my car. So, yeah. Um, I didn't get employed straight away. So as you know, Wildham has moved office. And yeah. when I went for my hui, that was up at, back up at Te Whatuora Taranaki, up in the Māori Health there. So when they moved to the new office, they were able to get more desks. And that was when, when me and Katie were hired. Oh, brilliant. So, so for you, I guess this is probably the perfect space for you. But you know, like you said before, um, Araha, your support, your sharing, rangatahi, um, health, basically just Māori, Māori dim, basically all those things just into place for you. Yeah. 
so now you're in the space here. What is what? So what do you actually do? What is what is what does Rory do hmm. in this space here? So what I do currently here at Waiwata is that I'm a kaiārahi for New Plymouth Boys High School, Francis Douglas Memorial College, and me and Katie split Spotsman College. So I'm essentially what Mitch was for me when I was in high school. So sit down one-on-one, we whanaungatanga, we start to know each other, we share stories, we share kōrero about each other, what we do, sort of where we want to go, what our ambitions are, and then we can sort of whittle down like a plan just so when we can sort of provide opportunities to the langate for exposure, cultural affirmation, build confidence, all those aspects around career aspirations, just so that we can see our whānau flourish. So we want to see them, like Tane, Tane's on our books. We want to see them go off. We want to see them grow into the person they want to become. And we just want to see them flourish. And I feel privileged that I'm able to do that with so many students here in Taranaki. Brilliant. And um, I guess what is what are, what are some of the challenges? Because I asked that question because um, um, as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, you, you're doing this, you, you're working, you're still figuring out yourself as well as we all doing that anyway, and you're working with these young people. What has been a challenge for you as you work with these young people as a person for yourself? Yeah, so a challenge that I found myself was was I knew that everyone's different because of the psychology background that I had, but it was understanding how I can use what I've learned through whether it's education, experiences, whatever it may be, is that not all of them will understand why I did certain things. Like the challenge for me was is that, oh, I can see you doing this, I can see you doing that, but it's like, bringing it back to me was like, okay, it's not about what I did and what I've done. It's about where they want to go and what they want to do. And that was sort of that challenge for me was, oh, don't go do that because this is what it was like for me, where I had to sort of grasp myself back and was like, hang on, you can't say that because what's for me is different for you. So understanding that was a big challenge coming into it because I just want to support them. I don't want them to go down an avenue that was bad for me. But understanding that, that avenue might not be what it was for me was sort of the big challenge for me because obviously you don't want to see someone get hurt or see them fail but sometimes they need to see that themselves for them to flourish in areas where they know about themselves so that was that big challenge for me was just let them explore they can they can go out and do whatever they want to but just know that we can support them if it's not for them in the end and that was the biggest challenge for me was to go step back a bit, let them do it themselves, and then come in where I need to come into. And that's a crazy, as, as, as a psychology grad, you know that this is human nature just for us to want to just uh, pass on our past experiences, you know, both go to bed and say, hey, do this because it's amazing, or just done this because it's, I've done this and it's terrible. And it's great. It's, it's important awareness, I think, for all of us to go, just because it was good for us, it's not going to be good for them. Or mm. if it's bad for us, that can be bad for them because we have no idea. Like you said, everyone has a different map of the world and a different experience. So it's tough. You know, you, you said you find it tough as, as a young person. Now, it gets tough. It's just life, right? It's tough yeah. every single day to remember that, you know, um, that, hey, this is my world, my view. I have to remember that. My view or my opinion is not a fact. And it's very important, especially in a world now where, um, and I love your, your thoughts about this, um, you know, because um, we've spoken about this before. We are seeing really... Uh, a lot more acceptance or encouragement of te reo Māori in mm. mainstream New Zealand 
and yet there's tons and tons of backlash from crazy backlash uh, based on opinion and not fact. How do you? How does that fit with you in your world? Because um, yeah, what is what do you think about that then? Yeah, so I like I like people's opinions because opinions around people define who they are, and yeah. I don't like to contradict people's opinions because that's their opinion. That's theirs. Yeah. No one can change that about. They can change it themselves depending on what they've experienced. But when opinion contradicts the facts, it's kind of, you kind of sit there and you're kind of sitting and you grit your teeth a bit, you bite your tongue. And it's like, I kind of have to just sit here and listen. I have my own thoughts. Like I can have corridors around people that I have. I can go, yeah, like that's their opinion. I may not agree with that opinion because of the fact, but their opinion is their opinion. And having that ability to have the corridor when those sort of, when you have to grit your teeth down a bit on those opinions versus facts. It's kind of having that corded off space just allowed to vent a bit. Definitely helps, well, it helps me resonate a bit with it when it comes to certain those aspects and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to be specific. Let's talk about, let's talk about what's happening now in New Zealand. You know, um, te reo is a national language. It's part of New Zealand, New Zealand culture and we're having a lot of backlash what is that? How does that sit for you as someone who is, who is, who is a young Maori who lives in New Zealand and sees this coming up as a problem, problem as a problem from some parts of society? What do you feel? I mean, you can, yeah, this is a free space. You can say what you want, really. Well, my view on it is, is that whenever we go to do something as Aotearoa, we always speak in Te Reo first. Before we play a rugby game, there's a haka. A national anthem, the Te Reo Māori part comes first. So we have all these scenarios where Te Reo Māori comes first, but then we've only it's only the ones that everyone else sees, not what New Zealand sees within itself. Like yeah. we can go out, we can sing our national anthem, we can have Te Reo Māori at the start of it when we're performing against France and England, but when we look back and use it on ourselves, it's kind of like we do it for everyone else except for not us, like for not for us. Like we just do it just to show the world we're Māori. We're not doing it because we're Māori, but we're just showing it. Well, that's how I see it. Like we can have it, like Cinder Ardern will say it before she says any of her meetings and stuff. All Blacks, like I said, any coaches, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, like we all open with it, but it's when the rest of the world's looking in on it, not when we have to look on ourselves and there's just a lot of yeah i find it very hoha i'm just like oh. i sit there like we do this for everyone else just not ourselves hmm. and, and that's just a great, such a great perspective when we're on show let's show everybody we are integrating into our whatever we do but if i'm going to say kia ora to you on a day-to-day basis at the bakery or at hmm. the bus the bus stop then it's a why are you greeting me in yeah. as opposed to saying why are you saying hello, whatever, good day, whatever it is. That's a great perspective. That is a great perspective. Yeah. And a personal experience that I've had was was when I was sort of growing up in high school, was that I've experienced sort of both sides of discrimination. It's like, oh, you can't do that because you're Māori. But I've also gone up to someone and gone, Kia ora, and they've gone, oh, you don't have to say that. You're not Māori. And I was like, what? Like, Māori or not, this is Aotearoa, like, it's a national language, 
of Aotearoa. It should just be be able to be said with no. Just, just because. Yeah, just because. Just because. Right? Yeah. yeah. You go to Spain to speak Spanish. Yeah, Espanol. Well, yeah. no, what? Get out of here. <laughs> you know, don't <laughs> Spanish. What are you talking about? Crazy. Yeah, yeah and, and you know, we could talk about that, and it's a super controversial. It's not controversial, actually. It's actually real, but it becomes controversial because opinions and, like we said, opinion yeah. facts start melding, and you go, ah. Oh. So, um, but you know, we'll have our thoughts. And I guess, Tana, you have your thoughts as well. Can we jump in here. Yeah, for sure. I guess the only other thing that I want to touch on that Rory possibly didn't was, you know, like, He's talked about how we use it as, you know, the haka and national anthem and stuff like that. But I guess the other thing is, um, the thing I resonate with as well is, you know, I understand from the other side of things, you know, we don't want it to be full Māori. And so this is where I think the issue is we need to find a balance between the two. You know, I've done an essay last year about we had a topic of what does Māori be and health look, for, look like to you? <clears throat> and I said, you know, there's all these great initiatives and all these great things that we can do. I said, you know, the current house system doesn't work because it's so westernized that we don't incorporate multi values, other values that, you know, for being such a diverse country that we don't incorporate. But I said the issue would then become if we went full multi house, um, yeah, house system, it's the same issue where we're not inc uh, incorporating everyone. I guess that's the real challenge that we're having at the moment. And I guess the other thing, you know, is just it's going to take time for people to get used to the way that things are changing to be, you know. There's so many things that at the moment it might seem like a lot because people haven't been exposed to it. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of exposure to my Māori side. And then when I was exposed, it was a lot to take in for that initial couple of years. So it does take time for people to, you know, get exposed, get understanding. And I think that's the other thing that we're lacking is the understanding around, you know, why are we doing this? Why are there so many, you know, things that are changing? So that's the real push at the moment. Yeah, that's so, such a great, a great um, summary there because I think it's we live in a world where this is not one or the other. You know, you mm. can't you can't say it has to be west, it has to be uh, Terry, it has to be eastern. We live in a world where we have so many diverse communities coming together that you know take it'll be awesome if we could take the best out of everything and just create a balance, whatever the balance mm. looks like. And I think in New Zealand we're very lucky that we have such a diverse, diverse range of people that live here um, in a small country. So because it's a small country, the diversity is further exacerbated because you see it everywhere that you go. You know, you just have to go up to Auckland and see how diverse Auckland mm. is with so many cultures. Um, and as you say, um, it's hard to just do something without understanding. And everything takes time. You know, mm. time is time is important to in this whole factor here. That's a great, 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 great summary or great awareness there. Thanks, Tanya, for that there. So Rory, now you, you're, you're here doing your thing at Waiora. Um what 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 are some things that you have just that have, that you've taken on as your board and said this is an amazing growth for for Rory? One of the things that I've taken on is that sort of sort of basing off what Tana said at the start of the podcast is take those opportunities when they come. Because something like I'm really sort of now that I've come to realise that like what's behind me is now behind me. Like that's ain't coming back. So that when I look forward. And I don't like, you may not see many opportunities popping up, but when they pop up, just leech, grab them and enjoy them while you can. Um, while in this field, um, just supporting people in general, just to support them through what they want to in all forms of life is just something that I take away dearly from coming outside of this and into this employment side in the health sector, yeah. 
Oh, brilliant. Also, uh, apart from employment, you also get involved in other things. What other things do you get involved in? So I know you're really passionate about, about Maori health and Langatahi, but what else are you passionate about? What's the other things, Rory? You know, it's not, you're not just living there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, are you? I yeah, hope not. So growing up, sports have always been a big part of my life. Um, team sports, primarily winning as a team, celebrating as a team. So still wanting to continue with my waka armor because I love my sports keeping my Māori values true to me and just sort of engaging in that Māori environment with Wakaama. Um, moving back home, so like all my friends and stuff, they're starting to migrate back home from completing degrees and certificates. Some have been overseas for four years that I haven't seen. So they're all sort of migrating back home now. So I'm enjoying that aspect of that. Yeah, I've got my mates down in Wellington from when I was there that I can go down and live in the house when I need to for rugby games and stuff. But like when I left, everyone was leaving with me and now I can see everyone come home and to see them that they've just gone out and done what they want to come back home and we're all still the same group of people. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like that's what I wanted for everyone. That's like who I am. I want everyone to be who they are and to grow to who they want to be. So seeing that come home and I was like, that's awesome. Building those social connections from where they were in high school to where they are now because lot of the values have changed we're not partying as much we're like we're all starting to play sports together some of us go to the gym together so it's evolving our relationships from where we were in high school to where we are now is something that it's currently still doing because some of my mates are still going anywhere but I'm solidified here in Taranaki so I get to enjoy my friends going off coming back with awesome experiences and stories and it's just something I thrive in especially now that I've come home. Yeah, and, and yeah. That's, that's, that's really important. I think I like what you said there uh, about um, everyone's gone away and it is the same, but you also mentioned the values have changed. And I think that's important. Sometimes our values will shift as we start learning more about, about the world and about ourselves. And it's okay It's okay to change your values or to grow your values. Because um, sometimes our values are forced upon us. Hmm. We, don't, we, don't, we don't realize this, you know. Um, we don't realize at like again, I'm going to say you know ages zero to zero to seven your formative years you have no idea what values are being you're just taking it all in and when as you get older you can start questioning those values actually well, I don't believe in that or mm. why do we do that or actually so it's really important to see that that change with your with your mates as well. Mm. Rory, we've been speaking for almost an hour now, uh, which is fantastic, um, and we could keep talking forever um, because yeah. I think you have some awesome, awesome things to share and awesome things to tell, but also I know you've got a cricket game to go to, so we're not going to hold you up because, you know, you need to do what you need to do. Yeah. yeah. Stand in the yeah. field for six hours. Exactly. Yeah. Stand in the field. Yeah. And um, get some sunshine, right? Yeah. Um, question for you. So this is the, our, past, our podcast is called Bastards of Knowledge. And every episode we ask our guests to give us one piece of knowledge to put into this basket here so from your experiences and your learnings what would you like to share with our listeners and our viewers um, from Rory's mm. 22 years of living I guess oh one piece of knowledge that I would share this would be a good one <laughs> we don't judge mm. I have this analogy in my head that I use all the time. And so picture like a train on the train tracks. Time will always move forward. 
Now you can decide as the train driver to change directions, change any way you want to go, but the train will keep moving forward. You can steer your train anywhere you want to go, but it will keep moving forward. Your life will move forward, you'll age, you'll get older. There may be some times where you have to stop for a bit and fix the track so you can keep going forward. But knowing that your train keeps moving forward and that you're the only person in control of your train, just know that you can control your life in any direction that it goes. Just the train keeps moving forward until one day it doesn't stop, until one day it stops. So my basket of knowledge for you is this, that if you're going to do anything in your life, go out and do it because once that train stops, it's, we can't do much more about that. So take, the, take, take hold of the steering wheel, steer your train in whatever way you want to go, enjoy the life that comes yeah that's a that's a fantastic learning and i'm just going to add to that analogy as well so you know i like i like i like the fact that you say a train is you're on a track the tracks are going forward it's time time is moving you know whether we like that time is moving and i guess on that train the train has got you can add people on the train to help them forward mm -hmm. you can take people off at different parts of the station and it's you have choice and at different parts of your life people come in onto the train people go off the train I mean, those that are really important with you and their learnings will stick with you on the train. That's a fantastic, fantastic analogy and learning. And I just hijacked that there, so sorry. Um, but thank you okay. so much, Rory, for that. that been, that's a fantastic learning. Any last, warning, uh, last, word, any last words, um, Tane? No, it's been, I've really enjoyed this podcast, you know, reflecting on, you know, what's happening currently um, and also, you know, taking those challenges. And I think that's important, you know, like obviously summer for me as a student you know things are slowing down and I get time to reflect but it's also it makes me excited about the opportunities that are going to come next year and how I should just take them you know like too often we you know when we do start to slow down we go oh maybe I won't do that you know maybe I'll just you know chill or relax or do something like that but it's also good to you know take those opportunities as they come and I guess as you know it's coming up to graduation a lot of my mates are going to be moving back home or moving on to the next stage of their life um so it's exciting times ahead and making the most of those last moments I have with them will be crucial. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic, fantastic um, share there. Rory, any last things you'd like to say before we wrap it up? I'd just like to say a big mihi to you, Prajit and Tane, for allowing me to come on. This has been an awesome experience, first-time experience, actually. So mihi to no. you both for that. No worries. Thank you for thank you for allowing yourself to be on this on this podcast. Um, there's a reason why we have one here, because... Um, I think there's some fantastic learnings here, some fantastic shares. And to our listeners out there, as I always say, the, if you haven't learned something today, go back and listen to the podcast because you've missed out something. So have a listen. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Thank you, Rory. Thank you, Tane. Um, it's good to see you, as always. To listeners, keep listening, keep sharing, keep liking. Without you, this podcast goes nowhere. So we need you to do that there. Thank you, everybody. Until next time, kakite. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Baskets of Knowledge. Yeah, we hope that you found something useful to put into your basket of knowledge. And as we said before, remember to put something little into your baskets of knowledge every week. And as always, feel free to like, comment and share this podcast. Thanks, everybody. Bye.